At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. the cryptid keeper podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and a big thank you to everybody who has been so patient with us as we go through this transition um if you haven't heard the news i'm sure you figured it out by now judging by the difference in schedule on your podcatcher of choice uh, but we are going bi-weekly for a bit just to sort of uh, get that out of the way up front that's uh, that's not really for any reason other than both of us are frankly swamped and our schedules do not line up as conveniently as they first did during this move. We got really, really lucky for quite some time and it seems like that has ceased to be the case. Oh, the ups and downs of starting a day job. It'll get you every time. Mm-hmm. Been down that dangerous road. Yeah. Oh, I know. Jobs, not even once. Anyway, that's a joke. Um, I'm very grateful, but also schedules. Yeah, they're like a whole thing. So just giving ourselves a little bit more leeway, uh, giving some more room to play with things. And hopefully this means that we can get um, the Patreon episodes of Horror Borealis back on a more regular schedule as well. We can sort of alternate those weeks and get things rolling pretty smoothly. Um, So that will be awesome. Absolutely. I'm excited. Me too. I think it is a good change. I know it's going to mean fewer episodes, but I think it'll mean higher quality episodes. So hopefully everybody's cool with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just like with the concept of us sleeping in general. Thank you, please. (laughs) Um, How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I have my voice back finally, which is so exciting. Uh, That is good news. (laughs) It's so nice to be able to talk again. Um, I feel like that it's a bummer for anyone who's used to talking a lot, but I talk a lot. And yeah, like to the point that my dad used to always joke in like a, a good natured way. I should make sure like people know that I, I, I it was not in a mean way, very much a good natured tone, but that I had a certain amount of words I had to get out every day or else I would die. Oh, no, Rick, please. <laughs> uh, He's a good man. He texted me pictures of the cats earlier. I, I should go over and visit your cats. You should go visit my parents <laughs> and their cats. You can do I'm gonna that. Go visit Rick and the kittens. Go visit. <laughs> He sent me a video of Oscar begging for food. Oh, Yeah, I'll just text him. Yeah, they're big boys now. I'll say, hey, you want to get together and listen to some Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Actually, if you offer him You want to watch America's Next Top Model and make some margaritas. If you offer the band Chicago, like, he will genuinely jump at that. He loves Chicago. That's good. I actually love Chicago much more than I love Jimmy Buffett. Alex, um, are Chica- you and my dad going to listen to Chicago and watch America? Chicago is legitimately model. my favorite band. Did you not know that? We might. No, I, I did. It's also one of his favorite bands. Yeah, because we're the same. <laughs> I regret to inform you that I am a Homestuck-style ecto-clone of your father. Alex, are you my dad? <laughs> you are my dad. My You're dad. my dad. <laughs> so this is the energy we're bringing in this week, huh? Oh boy, it's a whole lot. Um, I <laughs> am really hyped about the friend I have this week too. I'm excited. I just took it's a nap. A very good one. I ate a bunch of candy. <laughs> You're freshly rested. Ate a whole bunch of candy. Um, I'm bringing that that midlife. Uh, beach time energy here with me. It has nothing to do with our cryptid. No. This is not a beach cryptid. Nor is it a father cryptid. I know. It, well. <laughs> um, Depends who you ask. I don't know that I would call it a father cryptid. I guess there is maybe a synonym for that that some people would use to refer to this cryptid. Oh no, Alex, no. Alex, <laughs> what have you done? Um, this cryptid is my husband. Tell me what you have for me. This cryptid is it's not my husband, although it may legit be my fiance. Anyway, this cryptid I have for you this week is the Ozark Howler. Okay, I'm interested. Do you know anything about the Ozark Howler? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> the Ozark Howler is very fun, very cool. The lore for the Ozark Howler delights me deeply. And there are a lot of really, really cool articles that I found this week. So as excited as I am for the cryptid itself, this is one of those weeks where I really just happened to luck out in the wealth of internet content available for this good friend. Um, because the Ozark Howler is one of those cryptids that carries with it, like, 
a very dedicated fan base. <laughs> People who live in Ozark Howler territory seem to really love the Ozark Howler and be very protective of it, um, which is something that I definitely, I get, I love it, I respect it. I, um, I wish to admire it from a distance and not infringe on their territory, but we are going to talk extensively about him today, so... <laughs> Awesome. All right, yeah. Uh, the Ozark Howler, as you may have already guessed, resides in... The Ozarks. The Ozarks. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those United States cryptids. Uh, it lives in remote areas in, just to clarify, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas, primarily. Mm. So, uh, it is known by very many names. Ozark Howler is the primary name. It also goes by Ozark Black Howler, Black Howler, Mountain Howler, Night Howler, Devil Cat... <laughs> Hoo-hoo, or Nightshade Bear. Devil Cat? Alex is a, Alex is a kitty? Uh, debatably. Okay. It sort of lives somewhere in between um, ABC and Devil Dog territory. So somewhere in between, like, Big Cats and Hellhounds is the Ozark Howler. So maybe it's like a fox. I think it's actually kind of like a trifecta deal. People seem to describe it as oh. being, like, in between... Um, or I've seen it compared to both big cats and hellhounds, but it seems to be primarily more bear-like. So I think that we've got, you know, the the little triangle here, or like maybe it's just in a different area of the Venn diagram, but they all hang out occasionally and grab brunch after they go hiking. So you've got like the big okay. cats and the devil dogs and the Ozark Howler, who is like the bear component. Um, and maybe there is a cool like fox friend out there too, I like to believe. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to clarify if this was going to be a cat situation or not going in, but I understand, and I will be okay. I will learn to be okay with the fact that it's not. You know, it, because I do like bears. Again, it might be. Scientifically, some people have speculated that it is like a misidentified or unidentified big cat. Okay. I do like that. So it may be a mountain lion situation. It may be a bear situation. It may be an Ozark Howler exclusive situation. Before you get deep into this, can I tell a bear story? I'd love if you told a bear story. Not bear your dog, oh, although well. I love bear. <laughs> He's good. I love him very much. But this was uh, a bear story I have. So I'm from, I, I've talked about this before on the show, I'm from Virginia. I'm from a pretty rural, like, uh, like specifically my house is in a pretty rural part of Virginia, like kind of mm -hmm, where a bunch is. of farms are. Yeah, we live in a field. Um, I won't go into details because please don't go bother my parents <laughs> where they live. But That's my um, job. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we live really near an arboretum, and there was a brief period of time where I decided I was going to try jogging, which was just truly foolhardy of me, because I never was going to keep up jogging. But I decided I was going to jog, and I was jogging along the path, the road that leads to the arboretum from my house. And this is like a pretty, again, pretty isolated road, not a lot of like cars or anything come down. And so I'm just jogging, and listening to my music in my headphones. And I see some trees move up in front of me, and I go, oh, okay, I wonder what that is. Probably a deer. We get a ton of deer. Mm -hmm. I'm pumping my arms as I tell the story as if I'm jogging, even though I am sitting in an office chair. So the trees part, and across the road, not less than 100 feet in front of me, runs a big black bear and two baby bears. Oh, Across and into the woods. Oh, one very cute, but two very nerve-wracking, because if Mama Bear sees me and thinks I am approaching her babies, I am dead. Oh, 100% <laughs> terrifying. So tell me if you've had this experience, too. When you see yeah. a bear in person, they do not look like you were expecting them to look. No. <laughs> like, at all. They don't look real. Like, yeah. So when I got my dog, Bear, I was, like, kind of confused. I mean, like, I get it. You know, Bear is a good name for a dog. But, like... This dog doesn't look like a bear, is what I was thinking. He looks he a looks lot like more a wolf. like a wolf. But, I mean, at one point, I saw a black bear, like, specifically a post-hibernation black bear, and it straight up does look like my dog. Like, black bears in the season where they are not, like, preparing to go sleep in a cave for several months, like, they do have this kind of strange, gangly appearance to them, which is counter to everything you think you've ever heard about bears. Yeah. And it's really kind of interesting. But yeah, seeing a bear up close and personal is very, very different from like looking at a textbook picture of like a bear in peak salmon season. They're very different looking totally. animals. Um, 
Also, bear cubs are the cutest things in the oh entire world. Oh my god, they're so freaking cute. They look like stuffed animals come to life. They they're are so cute. babies. I'm so glad that I was not able to follow the urge I felt deep in my heart to like run to them because if I had followed said urge and mama had seen me, as I said before, I would be dead. By the way, I never went jogging again. <laughs> I went jogging once and I saw some bears. That was a sign. I was just say the universe said jogging is not for you. One time when I was out running, I straight up came upon like a wild coven of deer. And I used the word coven because it was a very <laughs> spiritual experience. Like I was running with Bear out in the woods and just like following this footpath. And it was like a beautiful evening. The sun was setting over the lake and like streaming through the trees. I had my headphones in. I was listening to Brandy Carlisle. I was like, this is the closest I have gotten to praying in a very long time. And suddenly like Bear stops and kind of freezes. And that tips me off to like, oh, something is like weird. I should stop and check this out. Um, Bear, what did you find? And it like kind of freaked me out for a second. And you know how like, when you see an animal and you are told that animal has camouflage and you look at that animal and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I can see that animal just fine. But like out in the wild, animals, like camouflage works, friends. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. Right. And so I like stop and look around and I notice that I am like 10 feet from a deer. And that deer is just at the edge of like a dozen other deer and like the longer I look the more I can see them like in this sort of forested glen before me and it was wild I mean like if I hadn't had bear with me I don't know how the situation would have gone they were all kind of spooked by this wolf I had at my side so like none of them were going to come mess with me but it was kind of wild yeah hey, Alex are you implying that you think you were gonna get jumped by a group of deer I mean that can happen Wait, can it? Did deer mug people? <laughs> you know, I'm, I ain't a snitch. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, I, I, I know you mean that they just kind of fade into your vision because mm -hmm. their camouflage stops working on your eyes and you pick up, like, motion, etc. But my brain is just imagining them all popping out from various hiding spots as if to be like, you came to the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> right before they mugged me. Yes. Thankfully, I had my dog yes. with me who had a gun. No, I'm kidding. He didn't have a gun. Um, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> don't give your dog a gun. <laughs> Well, I'm certainly not going to take it from him. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, tell me about the cryptids. Let's talk about the Ozark Howler, can we? <clears throat> so, the Ozark Howler is typically, according to Wikipedia, described as being bear-sized, which I just want to point out is kind of wild. That could mean any number of things. It could mean three feet or ten. It's very un unclear. Um, with a thick body, stocky legs, and black shaggy hair. He is basically my dream guy. And as sometimes <laughs> having horns. Oh, that's uh, my dream guy. Hello? <laughs> See? Everybody loves the Ozark Howler. I'm listening. <laughs> the eyes of the Ozark Howler are said to glow red, even when there is no external light for them to reflect. I'm listening. Its cry is often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl and an elk's bugle. I have to ask, what does an elk's bugle uh -huh. sound like? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to see if I can find this. Uh, hang on. There's one page I have here which has like all the sound examples of things it sounds like. Never heard an elk bugle. I, I've only barely heard the noise a deer makes, and it's only been a couple times. Mm -hmm. Really quick, though, if you've ever heard the noise that a deer makes, it is hilarious. Oh, it is wild. It's just kind of yeah. like a... So switching over briefly, um, unlock, unlock the Ozarks is a separate page, and it has a section on the howl. It says, the howl, as you might expect, is the hallmark of the Ozark howler, obviously. Its sound has been described as, and this page describes it fairly differently, very deep and guttural, as well as a high-pitched howl, which seems to me like those would be opposite things, sort of. Yeah. Others have said that it's the most unearthly scream and half-human. One of the most common descriptions of the sound is, like the screams of a woman. So we're back here again. So we're getting like a lot of mixed signals here. Yeah. Those who have heard the screams pierce the night never forget the chill that ran up their spine and the feeling of dread that washed over them. Some claim that the sounds are made by animals commonly found in the region. They point to the screams and howls of animals like the red fox, fisher cat, and even fighting raccoons. Oh my god. Um, are you ready for some uh, some examples here? Yes, I will say I've heard fisher cats before and they do okay. sound horrifying. So here's the scream of the red fox. I don't know how loud this will be. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, oh, no. It sounds like a bird of prey. 
He's having a rough time, okay? <laughs> that's, so that's my friend, the red fox. That's what I sounded like when I had laryngitis. <laughs> Here's the sound of fighting raccoons. This is like the most horrible soundboard. You know, like when kids get those like, uh, those pull-in plays that are like, here's the zone of the, this is me right now. <laughs> That's fighting raccoons, apparently. <laughs> oh my God. Which is a lot to deal with. Um, this thought- is the Fisher cat, which I know you've said you've heard, but I want everybody else to experience it too. Yeah, go do it. Make it happen. That's so much. Um, and then here, the last one is the bull elk bugle. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, my God. I think if I heard that in real life, I would straight up have a stroke. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like death. It sounds like the death knell. It sounds yes. like the end of days coming for me specifically. It also sounds like when you give a kid a recorder in third grade music class and they blow into it with all their might without putting any of their fingers on the holes. Um, I'm sorry, were you in recorder class with Rosemary's baby? <laughs> Listen, okay, maybe it sounds like when a dozen eight-year-olds do it at once. Yeah, okay, I, that is more fair. But like it, the way it like kind of warbles and cracks like a, like a wind mm-hmm. instrument. That's being played badly. Um, in any case, it's often been rumored to be a death omen to those who see this creature, which is neither here nor there. You buried the lead on that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's not talked about everywhere. Um, it's not really a common part of the encounters that I've read, because I've seen, like, there are several sightings of this thing. Of course. So, uh, and those people have not all died. So. Are there hearings as well, or are there, I'm assuming, since it's known for its noise? Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess hearing is uh, so not Anna- the right word, because that implies that it went to court. <laughs> yeah, no, we have brought the Ozark Howler into a court of law on many <laughs> different charges, but he gets away every time. He's pretty slippery. <laughs> we just can't convict him. No jury will convict. Okay, please tell me more about the Ozark Howler. Uh, well, it's because they have to find a jury of his peers, and that would mean cryptids, and since they can't be tracked down. <laughs> All right. They can't make a jury. All right. Anyway, anthropologists have speculated that the creature might be a misidentified or unrecognized big cat. Historians have speculated that the creature might be a cultural variant of the dark dogs of death found in British folklore. So, there you have it. I believe that the Ozark Howler is his own special, unique creature with a lot to offer the world, but there are those who are hating and claim that he's imitating, so... <laughs> there are there are those who would imply that the Ozark Howler is some sort of poser. <laughs> And those people are wrong. He's not a Pozark howler. Oh, I didn't mean to toss that to you, but you sure did take a swing. I wasn't not going to use that one. So in any case, as you would expect, in an area where a cryptid like this is very popular, you're going to get all sorts of artistic and cultural references to it. Yeah. See any other place in the country where there is a cryptid of note, um, you'll get like bands and beers and restaurants and things named after it. The Ozark Howler has been a subject of a lot of different, like, visual artworks, um, as well as, like, the name of some different bands. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Only call yourself the Ozark Howler if your band is performing exclusively yodels, but it's okay. Oh my god, please. Um, there's also been a collection of literature as well as poems written about the Ozark Howler. Oh, really? So that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. All right, so in terms of like, cryptozoology about the Ozark Howler, the Ozark Howler is pretty universally accepted as a cryptid, meaning that it could or could not exist. Um, there are those who assert that the Ozark Howler myth is a hoax, specifically because um, this individual named Chad, and I'm not making this up, Chad Arment, mm-hmm. like who trusts a Chad anyway? Anyway, asserts in his book just titled Cryptozoology that the Ozark Howler myth is a hoax because he asserts that he and many other cryptozoologists received email messages that made wild claims about Ozark Howler evidence. These messages were tracked down to a university student who had made a bet that he could fool the cryptozoological research community. Which, like, speaking as a cryptozoologist, that's not hard, buddy. No. But also, we want to believe any wild email you send us. This is not an accomplishment. One lying jerk doesn't mean that the whole thing is a hoax. 
And that's the thing. Claimed sightings of the Ozark Howler predate these communications. I was going to ask. Um, by quite some time, yeah. There have been reports of medium-sized black cats in the Ozarks since at least the 1950s, according to George Eberhardt, who wrote a book called Mysterious Creatures, a Guide to Cryptozoology. And there are other sources that date stories of the Ozark Howler or creatures adjacent to it back to the 1800s. So what about so, that, Chad? Hoax dehoaxed. Thanks, Chad. For nothing. Um, complicating, yeah, complicating matters further is the fact that sightings of the Ozark Howler have been reported by people other than the alleged student hoaxer multiple times since the 1990s. So we have a lot of evidence before, and we have several accounts after. Uh, I think Chad is just blowing smoke. Yeah. I, I have nothing left to say to Chad. <laughs> yeah, Chad is just, um, wrong. In fact, according to the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, and you should always trust your local governments, folks, two wildlife officers were immediately dispatched to Springdale, Arkansas, to respond to and investigate a reported Ozark Howler sighting near Spring Creek around 9 p.m. in January of 2016. That's the most recent sighting that I've found. There are others that we'll sort of touch on. That's... Um, a driver called the Game and Fish Commission hotline and reported a, quote-unquote, bear-sized, shaggy-haired, gray-colored, unidentifiable beast which ran on four stocky legs. Perfect. So there you have it. That was concise. That was clear. Yeah, it's like a very nice description that really gets to the point, doesn't leave anything out, but, you know, it doesn't waste time either. Sometimes you get cryptid sightings that are like, it was a cool spring evening and a balm was in the air, but I knew something strange was happening. But then on the other hand, sometimes you get ones that are just like, I saw something and I didn't Bear. know what. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It had red eyes, but maybe it didn't. And then it was gone. Maybe not. What is reality? Okay. My friends, Webster's Dictionary defines cryptid as... Anyway, I'm done. Don't do that to your Can English just... professors, folks. Let's make a collective... Hey, we have a pretty good portion of the population here right now, I say arrogantly. Um, let's just make a nice... <laughs> yeah, I think we have all the people that matter on planet Earth. Yeah, so let's make a collective agreement just culturally. Just um, Let's just all extend our hands to one another in this gesture of goodwill and agree to never once, to never again, include a Webster's Dictionary definition in any kind of speech or essay or toast or anything mm -hmm. ever again, unless it is truly just a situation where someone asks, hey, what does that word mean? Yeah, um, and even then, you don't have to phrase it the exact same way as everybody else. Exactly. Follow the beat of your own drum. Create your own definitions for words. That's what Alex is talking about. That's right. Do. Make shit up. Shakespeare did it. So did Dr. Seuss. Look where they ended up. Dead. Dead. Yep, I know. Sorry, I, that was so horrible. <laughs> we both got there at the same time, too. <laughs> but without Shakespeare, we wouldn't have eyeball or the word elbow as a it's verb. It's true. So anyway, back to cryptids, which are ostensibly what this podcast is about. Tell me more about the Ozark Howler. I would love to tell you more about the Ozark Howler. Um, let me see. I'm trying to decide in what order I want to power through this information. Um, let's just talk some more sort of generally about the Ozark Howler first, then we can get into some sightings and some of the cool like background Perfect. lore I found. So yeah, lay it on me. Uh, typically described as aforementioned, being around the size of a bear with a thick body, stocky legs, black shaggy hair, prominent horns. Most people agree that it is either black or dark in color. Its cry is often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl and an elk's bugle. Skeptics claim that it's an eastern cougar, a black bear, or some kind of wolf or feral hound. Probably not true, but, you know, go off, I guess. Sightings have been officially recorded since the 1950s, though many Ozark families can pass on stories of their parents and grandparents experiencing the chill of seeing the Ozark howler well before that time. Like I said, this is very much one of those cryptids with a really strong regional association that a lot of people feel very, very uh, emotionally attached to. Absolutely. Yeah. Specifically between 2005 and 2010, there were a rash of sightings. Um, the Howler, which is also called the Black Howler and the Devil Cat, uh, was spotted several times. A family living north of Van Buren in the Boston Mountains of Crawford County set out trail cams after spotting what they believed was a cougar. The images they supplied to a Fort Smith television station appeared to show a big cat similar to a cougar. The problem is, as we often run into with these big cat stories, that wildlife officials insist there is not a breeding population of cougars left in Arkansas. Oh, really? Now, if you are going to be a skeptic, 
they do concede that it is possible there might be individual big cats living in the mountains, pointing out that they were likely once held as pets, but either escaped or were turned loose by their owners. I guess that's possible, but it doesn't explain how there would be multiple sightings over a period of many years dating back like generations. Right, that would require some very specific very weirdly well-timed wildcat releases. Or one wildcat who achieved immortality, which is still worth talking about. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Please tell me all about this fictional cat you've just invented. I love him. Um, but, well, <laughs> I would love to, but I'm actually going to go instead into talking about a different sort of mythology that might explain the Ozark Howler specifically through this catish lens. Okay, yeah. That was a lot of, This would yeah. be easier if I knew how to pronounce any Welsh words at all. <laughs> Mm. Um, so you obviously had a lot of Scots, Irish, Welsh, and English settlers who were coming to the United States in the mid to late 1800s, um, bringing with them their ancestral stories and their mythologies and their folk cultures, and a lot of them did homestead in the Ozarks Plateau specifically. Um, so some of these stories were about the sorts of mythological hounds that were harbingers of death that we have talked about before in our hellhound mythology. Yeah, like the Grimm's and the big black yeah, dogs exactly. of doom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, according to Scottish folklore, there is one such creature that's said to be the size of a young bull with the appearance of a wolf. Don't know about you, that sounds very Ozark Haldery to me. It, it really does. <laughs> its fur is shaggy, and it's usually cited as being dark green, though sometimes white. Um, its tail is described as being long and either coiled up or braided, which is interesting. And its paws are described as being the width of a man's hand. One that depends on the man. Yeah, that's true. Now, what's interesting about this to me is that there are sort of two ways to parse this information and sort of, like, wrap it into what we're talking about here. The first, and the one that I think the article is probably going for and what most folklorists would go for with you, is the idea that these people brought these stories over with them and perpetuated those myths, and therefore, like, these sightings got tied in with this idea of what people were expecting to see based on their cultural context. That's all well and good, and I do love it. But for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to propose an alternate explanation to you. Please. So um, if you are someone who happens to have any knowledge of, like, banshees or the ways that similar related creatures in Scotch-Irish and wealth mythology function, you know that one of the hallmarks of creatures like that can tend to be an association with specific families or family lines, right? Yes. So if, hypothetically you were a family or a clan that had a spectral hound that foretold death and guarded your family associated with you, I don't think it's too far out of the question to think that that creature might follow you on your emigration and maybe end up in the place where you ended up. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense to me. We have all sorts of stories of like physical creatures repopulating in different areas of the world because of these sorts of mass migrations. So I don't think it's out of the question to think that maybe a cryptid population could be, you know, seeded the same way. So are you implying the Ozark Howler is an invasive species? I <laughs> yes. And an evasive species. I love... I have a couple of, a couple of things, a couple of thoughts. Mm -hmm. This is going back to what you were talking about just a moment ago, but with the braided tail, who braided it? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe the Banshee. Or is it just inherently braided? Are they just born with a little braid? <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. But also, speaking of banshees, mm -hmm. what, a banshee, what are banshees primarily known for if not emitting a ghostly sound to send chills down the spine in the dead of night and be an... Exactly! Yeah! So the banshee myth is very closely related to um, this, like, dog version of that creature, um, which I will talk about more in a, a different episode. I didn't want to chomp too much on the, the Kuthi flavor because I want to save that for its own episode. There's a lot of lore surrounding that creature and it's well worth talking about in a different episode. Um, so, oh, far be it from me to try to take away a dog episode from you. <laughs> yeah, how very dare. Um, although in some, in some, like, areas of that myth it is a cat creature so if you like if you if you know about cat sith it's like the same kind of situation interesting uh yeah anyway but we'll okay. talk about that more in like a different episode old timey people don't know the Further difference between cats and dogs and it's getting to be stressful for me but <laughs> they straight up don't and it's a problem 
But please carry on. Take me, take me on a trip. But you know what? I for one am glad that somebody is finally willing to break down the cat dog binary. Oh, they're not opposites, and that's something I'm very tired of people thinking. We're mm-hmm. in such a binary obsessed society that we think that dogs are the opposite of cats. It's so bizarre. It's frankly so strange. Um. So okay, I mentioned that when you get into looking for online content about the Ozark Howler, there are a lot of really specifically wonderful articles. And this is one that's very important to me, and I need to share it with you. Please. So, this is an article from the Springfield News Leader. Uh, It was published on December 15th, 2015 by Wes Johnson, who says, We get a lot of tips in the newsroom, but this has to be one of the best I've seen in a while. And are you ready for a direct quote? Oh, I am always ready for a direct quote right from the source. Hit me with it, baby. All right. Here is a quote from the tip that came to our our dear Mr. Johnson. It says, I believe two things in this world to be true, that Jesus Christ is my savior and that the Ozark Howler is real and living in the Arkansas mountains. Oh, boy. (laughs) There are only three certain things in this life, death, taxes, and the Ozark Howler. This, I love this quote so much. One, because it just contains a very powerful energy in its own right. But you know all those, like, really specifically targeted Facebook ads for t-shirts that are like, I'm a welder, I do support the Second Amendment, and I only believe in Pepsi-flavored colas. Yes, or like, like, like a, like... I'm a gardener, da 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 da, who was born in January. Don't mess with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a Java programmer who loves his wife and only drinks on Thursdays. Like they're so weird. So you're saying, and that's what this this what this sounds like to me. Like I believe exactly two things: that Jesus Christ is my savior, and that the Ozark Howler is real and living in the Arkansas mountains. I'm a welder. I was born on a Thursday. <laughs> I believe in Jesus. I believe that the Ozark Howler lives somewhere in the mountains, and McDonald's is my favorite fast food restaurant. Yeah. If you don't then, like, like it, some... move. <laughs> and then on the sleeve, it has, like, a Bible quote that nobody knows. <laughs> it's like Ephesians 13.5. <laughs> oh, so the deep Real cuts. quick, I do have to Google what Ephesians 13.5 is, because now I'm concerned. What if it's something horrible? What if it's, like, really buck wild? had the urge to make a specific reference to a Bible verse that I that is completely wild, but I actually don't think I can in order for us to maintain our not explicit rating. Uh, but if you watch Glow, there's an episode where a character's in the hospital and another one's reading to them from the Bible, and there's a really wild verse that she gets to, and that's what I'm thinking about right now. So what is it, Alex? Um, well, it turns out that I actually made a very good joke because I guess there is no Ephesians 13.5. Oh, better. <laughs> It just keeps trying to pull up Ephesians 5.13. Well, you did it, Alex. You beat the Bible. I did it. I made a really good joke about the Bible. <laughs> wow. So Go me. Yeah. If you're, too, if you're certain of anything in this world, it's that the Ozark yeah. Haller is real and Ephesians 13.5 is not. <laughs> um, fair enough. Did the caller say anything else or was that the entire call? Oh, no, there's there's more on this article. Okay, um, it goes on, this person who submitted this tip goes on to submit some <laughs> extremely dubious photos. And the, um, the person writing the article points out how dubious they are. And then there is an edit indicating that the person who sent them in got very upset with that article. <laughs> so that's all very well and good. Um, I do want to move on to two more specific articles I have that are very delightful. Um, and I'll give you a choice on which one to go first. There's one that sort of debunks the actual existence of the Ozark Howler, but adds some really interesting, like, folkloric context. And the other one is just, like, some deep lore that fully is committed to the Ozark Howler. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. Yeah, they're both really good. And I do want to get to both of them if we have time. But um, you can sort of you can sort of pick which one you want mm. first here. I'm wiggling my fingers together like Mr. Burns. Give me the deep lore. Okay, I will give you the deep lore. Take me deep, Um, deeper than before. Um, This deep lore is really, really good for a couple of reasons. One, because it is on its own, just deeply delightful. But the other is because it specifically, like, confirms an aspect of horror borealis lore as earth canon, and that's a lot to deal with. Earth canon. Okay, yeah, what is that? Yeah, you know, the lore of earth. 
I have no more questions. Just take me there. Are you ready for the Teddy Roosevelt Ozark Howler conspiracy? Teddy Roosevelt, are we getting involved with cryptids again, my man? <laughs> you better believe it. The most cryptozoologically so. <laughs> linked president of our his in our of our time, perhaps? The only president worth celebrating, if we're being honest. Yeah, okay. I mean I won't fight you with that. <laughs> I won't fight you. Please So this is from OzarkHowler.net. Oh, an unbiased source. Perfect. Oh, clearly, yes. This is the Ozark Howler Network. Uh, so this article is titled The Teddy Roosevelt Ozark Howler Conspiracy, and it's very wonderful. What drove the Ozark Howler underground? Maybe it's the same thing that has kept the location of the grave of Genghis Khan a secret. Oh. <laughs> Bear with me for a minute here. For hundreds of years, the location of the grave of Genghis Khan was kept a secret by guards who prohibited anyone from entering an area hundreds of square miles around the place where the body of the Mongolian leader was buried. Then, when the communists took over Mongolia in the 20th century, they continued the practice to prevent anti-communist nationalists from seeking relics of Genghis Khan to spark a revolt against centralized government, etc., 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 you know. Nothing like this could ever happen in the United States of America, right? Wrong. It happened. And like the grave of Genghis Khan, the evidence is hidden in plain sight. At the beginning of the 20th century, Americans were determined to settle the Ozarks to enjoy the beauty of its hills, the mildness of its climate, and the friendliness of its rural communities. Yet something powerful stood in the way of Ozark development. Theodore Roosevelt had grown up as a weak and sickly child of wealthy northeastern elites, but reacted against this upbringing by seeking out vigorous physical adventures in the outdoors. This led Roosevelt into military adventures, including the campaigns of the Rough Riders against the Spanish Empire. You know how it is when your parents kind of baby you a little bit, and so you decide to go join the military? What? That's a thing I think people still do, actually. Anyway, Lieutenant John C. Greenway rode as a Rough Rider in Cuba and quickly earned the admiration of Roosevelt. It was during this time that Roosevelt's attention first turned to the Ozark Howler. Now, Greenway, who was from Hot Springs, Arkansas, was also a member of the Concatenated Order of Hoo-Hoo and shared with Roosevelt the underlying mission of that organization. Is this an protect, official organization? To protect lumbermen from the Howler, which they nicknamed the Hoo-Hoo in imitation of its infamous nocturnal howl. We'll get into that. Oh, thank you. Good, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The more Teddy Roosevelt heard about the Ozark Howler, however, the more he came to respect it. Telling Greenway that the hoo-hoo sounded like a bully good beast that embodied the robust physical character of the growing American nation. You know that I hear every single one of these words as you say it. Anything that he says, I hear in Nick Offerman's voice. Thank God. I I do still hear every um, Teddy Roosevelt thing in Robin Williams from Night at the Museum's voice. But I, Nick Offerman choice. is a very respectable choice. Thank you. I, I, I don't. J- never mind. I, I, I'm gonna get too excited if I try to talk about what I'm experiencing internally right now. Just keep going. It, yeah, it's gonna get even better than this. Okay. Uh, so it was that Theodore Roosevelt was initiated into the International Concatenated Order of Hoo Hoo, a secret society dedicated to dealing with the danger posed by the Ozark Howler. Roosevelt's position within the organization was president of American forestry, and he was assigned, Addison, with the responsibility of establishing of protected zones of territory where the Ozark Howler would be allowed to roam undisturbed. <sighs> Its population managed so that howler eradication efforts could be focused near areas of concentrated human settlement. There were people who think that a group with a name like Concatenated Order of Hoo Hoo must be a ridiculous joke, but the truth is that the Order is the oldest fraternal organization in the United States. Is that true? It's older than any college fraternity, older than the Elks Club or Rotary International, and Theodore Roosevelt's power was at the center of the organization for as long as he was alive. Is this verifiable? The Ozark Howler that serves as the official symbol of the order is shown with its tail curved into the shape of the number nine. The original annual dues were set at $9.99, and for years the membership was capped at 9,999 members. What is the significance? The concat... 
of the nine. Oh, its tail is, is, is curved into the shape of a nine. Oh, I thought it was... I don't know. I th- the way that it was phrased, I thought it was implying that the tail was curved like that because all of the nine numbers were also... <laughs> I have like no idea. Sort of, it's a secret society, so I can't oh, tell right. you. Some sort of secret relationship to the number that made it significant across the board? I don't know. Um, there's a little bit about that here, which says that the order of who who followed old beliefs of Ozark magic regarding the number nine as a kind of hex of protection against attack by the Ozark power. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. So there about. you go. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if I could say it without laughing. Um, so the order. <laughs> so the. <laughs> yes. So the order. Yes. So the order. Yes, Addison. So which the, order? <laughs> um, so the order of who who. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it verifiable that it is, in fact, the oldest fraternal organization in the United States? Um, well, it is a secret society, or was, so I don't know how much information you're going to find about it that is reliable, or if that information itself is reliable. It's kind of kind of hard to go on here. Let's do a quick Google and see what comes up if I just search. I'm almost afraid to ruin. I'm almost afraid. order. Uh, oh, wow. Nope. It's... It's real. I was afraid to dream. I was afraid to hope. You know, sometimes you've been hurt so many times before you're afraid to put yourself back out there and want something again. And oh my God, I'm so happy. Yeah, no, it is true. It's true that it exists. Um, According to this very quick, like, Wikipedia search, I think what they will tell you is that the mascot is a cat. And that uh, the hoo-hoo just refers to, like, a nickname for lumbermen. fools. And so it was, like, a lumberman's fraternal order um, for uh, founded on January 21st, 1892, which honestly is kind of even more satisfying to me. Like, the idea that there is this, like, long-established organization and that this Ozark Howler website is telling me the real true information that no one else will be brave enough to divulge about this secret society. Yeah. I love that a, a lot. Cat, you say? Hmm. Hmm. Strange. Anyway, Theodore Roosevelt's membership number in the order was nine nine nine. See, but like this is—I don't mean to go on kind of a tangent, but why believe in conspiracy theories that like hurt people? Like, why be like a like the kind of one when you could believe in yes, this? Exactly. Like, there are so many conspiracy theories that lead to such harmful and dangerous behaviors, and like harassing people who've been the victims of horrific crimes. Or, or you could believe. That Teddy Roosevelt was in a lumberman fraternity that was creating fenced-off conservation-areas for the Ozark Howler, and they're the hoo-hoo group, and Mm -hmm. it's, oh my god. Yeah, anyway, two and a half years later, on March 6, 1908, the Ozark National Forest was created by Theodore Roosevelt, using his power as President of the United States of America in order to establish a wild area in which the Ozark Howler would be allowed to roam free. Again, no spoilers if you haven't started listening to Horror Borealis, but I am so delighted by this article. Yes. Hey, also? And just to clarify, I like I just need you, Addison, to know that I had no idea about any of this, like, when I wrote that episode, so... I'm so glad. This is deeply delightful to me in so many ways. Hey, also, just want to go ahead and make sure we don't skip over the fact that Theodore Roosevelt learned to respect this great beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they. I like to imagine they developed a sort of mutual respect, like a like a begrudging respect, like the detective and the con man. And catch me if you can. <laughs> oh gosh, that would be amazing. I love it so Where much. Please give the me the Ozark that Howler knows that Teddy is always going to be hot on its heels. Knows that he must engage in the relentless pursuit of truth and separate and protecting his people, but also knows that there is this undercurrent of respect and that neither can exist without the other it's pretty incredible really it really makes you think it really makes you think <laughs> all right so i guess now that you've built me up you're ready to break me down and take me over to the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and this other article i actually do genuinely love a lot so this article is titled uh is the ozark howler legend true and it's headed with this image of a badge that says, like a, a vintage badge that says, all the lies they tell about the Ozarks are true. And that's kind of the mission statement of this article. Before we get into it, I just want to say, like, take what you want from this article and leave what you want. Um, it does pretty overtly discredit cryptozoology. But I think, like, the way that I'm choosing to interpret this article and the way that I do truly believe it is, like, intentionally coming across is that it is specifically, like defaming the kind of cryptozoologists who are kind of like pedantic and um 
really kind of suck all of the fun out of believing in mythical creatures anyway. So, like, I don't have a problem okay, with that. fair. Like, if you're going to devote your days to researching and talking about Bigfoot and various and sundry creatures of that kind, and then you want to also not have fun, you want to be the no fun police while you talk about Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, then what are you even doing? Do you also refuse to put sugar in your oatmeal because joy is makes you less serious as a scientist? Anyway... Yeah, exactly. And that and that's the thing about this article. And so the reason that I actually agree with a lot of what it says, there's kind of this very delicate balance to being someone who declares yourself a cryptozoologist in that, like, you are actively choosing to participate in the belief in things that you have no reason to believe in. So I think you have to be a little self-aware in order to do that and not be a yeah, jerk. Nobody, nobody actively chooses to have faith in things that there's no tangible proof of. <laughs> no comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I don't. I believe in two things, and Addison. I don't say that as a dismissal, by the way. I think that it's wonderful to have faith in things that can't be proven. I just, I think it's very, very funny when people treat that as a novel concept. Yeah, I think it's kind of a key part of the human experience, basically since the dawn of time. So I don't understand why. Anyway, I don't know why people get worked up about that, but here we go. Is the USR Collar legend true? Posted on December 15th, 2018. So a fairly recent article. Right. A couple of decades ago, a new type of writing about the Ozark Howler took shape and dominated online discussions of the beast. Cryptozoologists, angry at being caught unawares by the folklore of the Howler, rushed to declare that it was nothing but a hoax. It's a funny word, hoax, because it suggests that something was supposed to be true in the first place. The thing about the Ozark Howler is that it comes from a cultural context in which truth is much more in play than the pseudoscience of cryptozoology can handle. This attitude is represented best by a simple design created by the Ozark Travel Association. It reads, All the lies they tell about the Ozarks are true. The cryptozoological debate can't accept this Ozark cultural perspective first because the cryptozoologists are outsiders. Even more important is the hang-up of the cryptozoologists bring to the questions of the Ozark Howler. There's no way to put this gently. Cryptozoology is the false science of cobbling together little bits of rumor and fake photography in order to concoct stories in which a classic set of rumored monsters are claimed to be actual, physically real animals that can be captured, killed, or photographed in order to be proved to be the genuine article. Oh, wow. Yikes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cryptozoologists spend their time trying to prove that outlandish legends such as the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and the Chupacabra are based on real animals who are no more remarkable than a white-tailed deer, but have simply somehow not ever been found by huge teams of professional biologists for generations. It's a load of nonsense, I of will course. say that that part's a little, dis like, funnily dismissive considering the amount of new animals we find all the time. Yeah. But anyway. No, it is. And there, again, there's uh, some of this article you have to take with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. I do agree with its fundamental sort of... Um, statement that it gets into here very shortly, which is this idea that, like, the cultural context of a cryptid is a lot more important than the factual, like, knowledge surrounding it. Mm-mm. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Alex doesn't like cryptozoology. Alex is canceled. I'm a fake cryptozoologist. All right, please. <laughs> canceled. Your fame is problematic. I'm sorry. Cancel me. You won't. Alex. The worst part of it is that the cryptozoologists just can't let go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Long after their fake evidence has been proven to be false, they keep on insisting that their cryptids are literally real. Canceling anyone who disagrees. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop talking now. Then, when someone comes around with a folk legend of a creature that hasn't gone through the narrow-minded, standard cryptozoological channels to get an official stamp of approval, they get upset and declare it a hoax. Yes, the people who believe that Bigfoot is real have the audacity to claim that the Ozark Howler isn't real, without ever even visiting the Ozarks to check out the story for themselves. Okay, they won me over. Yeah, right? Here in the Ozarks, as the Ozark Travel Association noted, we have a different way of thinking about things. We have stories about places and events that have been passed down through the generations from our ancestors. We haven't checked their veracity in a scientific laboratory, and we won't ever do so, because scientific verification of our local culture and family traditions isn't what we're interested in. These stories are ways that we have of thinking about the relationship between who we are and where we live. Literal truth isn't what we're aiming for. Now, there are some people who claim that the Ozark Howler is real. They say they've seen it with their own eyes. You can argue up and down about whether they're telling the truth, but no one can argue against the fact that people in the Ozarks have been telling stories about the Ozark Howler for as long as anyone can remember. And before that, too. 
So someone told a cryptozoologist a story about the Ozark Howler, just as a whole lot of people do around here. That's part of what the academics would call our folkways. But the cryptozoologist didn't know anything about the Ozarks and didn't know what he was hearing. All he wanted to know was whether the story was true. He got caught in the trap of literal thinking. The trouble with truth is that it's a slippery thing. One thing is for sure. If you're obsessed with the truth of the Ozark Howler legend, you're missing the point. All the lies they tell about the Ozarks are true. All the truths they tell about the Ozarks are lies. A hoax? Not a hoax? Oh, just relax. Keep an open mind and enjoy. If you can't handle that, all I can say to you is that, well, it's an Ozarks thing. And maybe you just can't understand. I do really love where that ends up. <laughs> See, I do too. And I, I don't know. I know it's a point that like I have myself said a lot less eloquently on this podcast before that, you know, it's really not about whether or not you can ever find a photographic piece of evidence of one of these things to convince me because I don't need convincing. If I needed convincing, I wouldn't be here. Right. That is like so not the point to me. The point is that I'm somebody who has already made the decision to invest in the significance of these stories. And so anything beyond that is just sort of incidental to me. Like, I don't need to know whether or not anything that I'm talking about on this podcast is factually true. If you haven't figured that out by now, I really hope you listen to the introduction next time. <laughs> but I, I understand. I agree completely. I just wish I wish that the tone of that piece weren't quite so aggressive early on. Yeah, it, I know. Especially when there is a lot of actual scientific merit to like investigating the not. I'm not talking about the pedantic. It it, it gets it gets me back later. Sure. But it's it feels like it's a rough choice to take a thing that has bad elements and good elements, and then just be like, this is a fake science made of garbage. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that like. It's, I, I get the angle that they're coming from, I really truly do, um, because, like, folk cultures are under such attack all oh, the yeah. time from, like, that specific kind of perspective of people who have this elitist idea of, like, thinking of rural folk cultures as being backwards or lesser in some way. And so I can see how the idea of, like, cryptozoology would be inherently offensive because it's, like... Okay, so when we believe a thing, um, it's just called, like, myth and folk tales. But, like, when you believe a similarly dubious thing, you get to call it science. Right. And that is definitely horribly unfair. And I completely, I'm with them when you get to the point of being like, oh, so, like, Bigfoot is reasonable, but this is definitely a hoax. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's... Uh, it is not an unflawed take, uh, but I do think that it's important to include an Ozark perspective on the Ozark Howler here at the end of our episode. Oh, of course. I really loved that. All the lies about the Ozarks are true. I know. I love it a lot. I really like that. I should clarify, like, we live in a in a time when the grip on the truth where it really, really matters is is to becoming more and more tenuous and more and more debated yes. and, and, and kind of a, a battleground. And I don't want it to sound like that is at all what I'm encouraging when I talk about the fluidity of truth. I'm talking much more about as it relates to things that like believing in the Ozark Howler I think maybe isn't going to hurt. Right. I think. Maybe Anything. that's part of why articles like this are actually kind of important, if you'll bear with me for a second. Because I think that, like, part of what this article is getting at is the idea that you don't get to just choose when you need science to believe in something. Like, if you're going to believe in something that's kind of outlandish, then you need to acknowledge and recognize that you are believing in an outlandish thing for some sort of contextual purpose. You don't get to just mm -hmm. decide, like, no, my science says this is true, when clearly it's not scientifically backed, right? So, right. like, I do think there's actually some merit to be had in that discussion and this idea that, like, you know, not to point any fingers, but I know a lot of people who will sort of just claim vague snippets of science to justify the fact that climate change isn't happening when every piece of scientific evidence says, like, no, it absolutely 100% is. 
you don't get to just you don't get to just cherry pick your science and then claim well, that you have the intellectual higher ground, right? Because these are the same people often, uh, more often than not, who dismiss scientific findings about the changing nature of understanding, say, from a scientific perspective, say something like gender identity, mm-hmm. and they will ignore scientific consensus on subjects like that and ignore general scientific consensus period and then cherry pick little bits of yeah exactly so i think there's a lot to be said for the fact that like if you are going to intentionally believe a falsehood you have to admit and know that you're believing a falsehood if you're or at the very least something with a dubious nature to it if you are going to claim like the intellectual and moral high ground of exclusively using factual information to come to your justifications, then you have to take a like hard look at what that actually is. And also, and just again, one more clarification, or not clarification, rather, just want to emphasize, there are fields in which objective truth does matter very, very much, and facts are no are in no way up for debate. Oh yeah, I would explicitly like to go ahead and say that one of those is government another Mm -hmm. one of those is journalism although true unbiased journalism does not exist that's another conversation (laughs) we will have because people are incapable of being completely objective that is just not simply not a thing that happens anyway that's not what this podcast is here is follow me on twitter if you want to hear me yell about it here is basically like the world according to alex There is so much about this earth and this universe and this reality that we exist in that we just have no concept of, that we just have not come to a point of understanding yet. It's so much bigger and more interesting and more complicated than any of us can possibly imagine. And even though we're coming closer every single day to unlocking and uncovering all the parts of it and even though there are parts of it that we'll never unlock or uncover and I think that's okay because there's some sort of magic and mystery in that even though there are so many aspects of our reality that we can't really ever say for certain are true and real and ultimate the one reality that we absolutely have to acknowledge and be sure of and maybe the only one that matters is the reality of like, other people's lived existence. And if there are things happening that are absolutely affecting the people around you and the world that we all have to inhabit together and the lives that people are dealing with every single day, like, that is factual information that is important. And you don't just get to dismiss that. Like, that's maybe the only true and absolute thing in this world. And that's my soapbox. No, I, I don't know how to follow that up because it was genuinely a very eloquent and beautiful point. And I've been like sort of s- screeching from the darkness of a candy haze this entire time. <laughs> and but it's 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 true. And it is. The, and the only thing we really, truly have in this world is uh, each other. And the Ozark Howler. And the, and the Ozark <laughs> There are two things two in this things. world. <laughs> There are three things. <laughs> no, um, no, there are, t- yeah, there are three things. Jesus, no. Uh, the Ozark Howler and the love we share with each other, our communities and the people uh, um, and other, oh my God, see, my, my, I can't talk anymore. My brain is broken. I understand. I, my brain is full of mucus. And rainbow sour belts. S- and rainbow sour belts. What I'm trying to say is... The world is really big and scary and unfathomable, and we have to do what we have to do to find comfort and survival and safety in that world. And one of the ways I think a lot of people are relearning to find those things, I know myself, I I am one of them, is to seek out human connection and compassion and empathy Again, make empathy cool again. Uh, I did not mean that to to sound like a parody of a uh, popular inciting phrase in a political movement yeah uh, but empathy is the new hot trend just like when it's <laughs> tell your friends make a tiktok about it <laughs> or you can still do a tiktok they definitely are because a kid i'm in a class for my grad program that has a couple of undergrad students mm-hmm. like with a step it's a, they have a separate literal syllabus, children there are some undergrad students in it yeah and one of them specifically that she was my professor was kind of jokingly being like oh i don't know what social media is like the popular one now she was like she said something about facebook and she was like oh, someone told me that people aren't on facebook anymore and then this kid goes uh, like he was kind of kidding but still he was like tiktok and she was like i truly don't know what that is oh no um, 
And I told her later, don't worry. It's okay. You don't have to look up TikTok. <laughs> but anyway, that's a weird note to end this Ozark Howler episode I'm on. into it. Really quick final thought on the Ozark Howler. Mm-hmm. Uh, really bold to, as a secret organization, think that the best way to articulate the noise it makes is the inoffensive and delicate hoo-hoo. I know, right? Because <laughs> if all of the examples you played me are different variations on noises that sound like the sound it makes, it's much more of an unholy oh, screech. In every conceivable way. Like, they should be the order of, and then they just scream. Yeah, we just need to get Tim back on real quick to do that double bird sound. Tim! Come back to do that pterodactyl scream. Yeah, it's just the order of the... Okay, and then Val, put Tim's double bird sound right here. Okay, cool. Thank you, Val. Val, You don't actually have to do that. You do so much for us already. No, it's okay. You do too much. Val, please take a break. Get some rest. Val, listen to me. Stand up right now, away from your desk, stretch a little bit, go get some water. We love you. You can also do all those things if you're not Val. Well, yeah, that's also fair. Um, Also, I'm just going to be mom for a second and say, like, stop looking down at your phone. You're hurting your neck. Hold your phone at eye level. Yeah, God, sit up straight, please. I know I'm not. I'm not either. I'm sitting my posture right now. My spine is curved like a parabola. I am a monster, like, of posture. Like, I am hurting my back. Yeah, part of it's because where my mic is, so, like, you people did this to me. Exactly, me too. No, I'm kidding. No, um, my back hurts. Like, I'm hurting my back actively right now. But also, this is not meant to be a complaint. This is more just me expressing that I'm a hypocrite because I just told you all to fix your posture. So I also think we're getting off the track here. This is no longer about the Ozark Keller. thought on the Ozark so, final, final thought on the Ozark Heller. I like mine it. Mine or yours? You, okay, you like it. Yeah, I like good. it. I am really confused about where the horns came into play. Eh. Um, and would like to posit a potentially really out there theory just to kind of take us home, if you don't mind. Yeah, hit me with it. Okay. So one of the one of the states you mentioned was Texas, right? We're in a proximity to Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you ever seen? There's a variety of cow. They're very, very, very shaggy. They have like long. <gasps> the boys. Yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I don't do. know what they're called. Some old neighbors of mine in my hometown in the, on their farm used to have some. And they're really funny. I love them. But they're these shaggy cows. Uh, what has horns? <laughs> I see where this is going. Perhaps some kind of strangely um, gangly but shaggy cow of some sort i could see from a distance hear me out if you can't no one ever mentioned it's what its legs look like just that they were stocky stocky legs Mm -hmm. you can have stocky Stocky legs on one of these cows on one of these big fluffy boys black big black cow shaggy shaggy boy stocky legs kind of a snouty face not unlike a bear from a distance in a silhouette not unlike a bear completely. I am really leaning into this. Cows and bears, same you thing. You are. Can't You've tell decided this. I have animal face blindness. Cows and bears are the same. And and I don't know if you've heard. I can say this right now. I used to live uh, across from a cattle field. My parents' house is right near a field of cattle. Uh, when it's in season for the cattle to be outside, sometimes the cows, there's no way to get around this. Sometimes the cows are mating or they're doing something else strenuous and they make the most horrible noise. Oh no. They go like, I'm going to end this episode right now if you make that sound again. (laughs) My point is the Ozark Howler is just a cow. The Ozark Cowler? I was ready. I met you. I was there. Hold my hand. Let's dive deep into the pit to hell together. Anyway, do you have any notes for the good people at home? I do have some notes for the good people at home. Give me just one second. All right. I would like to give a thank you to Jason Kingsley and to Evelyn Cervantes. Heck yeah. Thanks, Jason and Evelyn. Thank you guys so much. If I mispronounced your name, I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> Are you sure those are the only ones? I'm sorry. I just thought we got more emails than that recently. Um, the, for the, the tier, I just looked at the... Pay, I just looked at the page on the benefits tier, unless unless you accidentally marked some benefits complete that shouldn't have been. I have not, but I just know that we have some $20 patrons in my emails. I don't know. Anyway, Heather Ann, thank you so much for being a $20 patron. Yeah, please. Thank uh, you. We super duper appreciate that. You're a real rock star. And uh, also, also Nathaniel. Nathaniel, you're doing the Mothman's work out here. We love it. 
If it, it might, it's entirely possible that something got mistakenly marked as complete in the Patreon system. And probably, be... probably they just won't show up until next month. Okay, that's Patreon links it. to not do it until like the following month. But uh, I am putting all of my faith in you people not to cancel your pledges before this goes through. So <laughs> you heard your name here, folks. Don't make me unname you. <laughs> oh my God. That doesn't sound like you just mean take the name back. That sounds like it's some sort of terrifying ritual where you like remove them from existence. Yeah, I belong to the secret society of a bunch of lumberjacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, really quick before we uh, end today, I'll just, I haven't plugged our socials in a hot minute, and I know that sometimes people are struggling to find where to submit stuff to us, such as listener stories, so I'll go ahead and do that really quick. If you need to get a hold of us or want to get a hold of us, or just follow our shenanigans and see what we're up to, you can follow us at crypt keep pod on twitter that's c-r-y-p-t-k-e-e-p-p-o-d we're on facebook under the cryptid keeper or you can hang out in our facebook group the cryptid keeper appreciation group and then there is of course our patreon if you join at the five dollar level or above you will get access to a patron discord server where there is even more fun hangs lots of channels to share like fun conversation and memes and art and pet pictures and it's just a fun little hangout space and if you need to send us or want to send us an email about something like a listener story, you can do that at our Gmail, which is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. Same as our Twitter, C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Yeah. You can also follow us individually on Twitter if you want. Like We're like kind of funny. I try really hard. <laughs> I've been thinking like comedy can be my thing. I think I could get into comedy. Alex, I think my that, friends tell me I'm like pretty funny. I think that maybe comedy could be your thing. Yeah, I'm like, I've been looking for a thing. Because <laughs> you know what nobody is into in 2019? You know what nobody else is doing? Comedy. Yeah, I just, I don't think anybody else is funny except me. <laughs> I think I might be the only funny person I know. Alex, careful. <laughs> You're playing with fire there, bud. <laughs> I literally know so many, like, professional comedians in Chicago. Yeah, no, who, I was going to um, I don't know, might not be listening to my podcast. This is a really good way for me to find out if they're actually my friends or not. If we get hate mail from Liz Anderson, I'll genuinely cry. So, like, please don't do Liz this. Anderson is my anime friend rival now, so it's fine. Okay, anyway, I think that's going to do it for us, unless you have any more announcements. Uh, thank you so much to Val Patrone, our audio wizard, who is just absolutely knocking it out of the park forever and always. Um, a huge thank you to our in-house composer, Andrew Giada. And an enormous thank you, as ever, to the Lunar Light Studio for being our little podcast home and for being so patient with us during these transitions we're going through. You should really go and check out some of the other really cool shows on that network. There are a whole bunch of them. Um, shows like What You Call It or Badvertising, Ending Pending, The Good Boys Girls, um, any number of other wonderful associated properties, Transquestioning. There are a bunch of really fantastic ones, some of which are weekly, some of which are bi-weekly, but there's a show for pretty much every day of the week. So if our bi-weekly phase... Uh, <laughs> Well, it's not a phase, Mom. Um, Alex, it's not if, a phase. <laughs> if our sort of bi-weekly transition has put you at a loss for material, then please consider going and checking out one of those shows or checking out our other show, A Horror Borealis, on the One Shot Network. Yeah. Get that good, good content up in your ears. You don't have to be a Patreon donor anymore. Although, if you are, you're getting some really cool episodes very soon. And way ahead of the way ahead of the, the public crowd, those sheeple. No, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, as always, friends... We hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Lunar Light Studio. Pretty witty and gay.